It's one of the deepest, richest, most important books of the Bible, Romans. In this message, join Pastor Chris Chadwick and learn more about what the Bible says in the book of Romans. Seated, if you would take your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. Uh, we are in a series in Romans um, that we have not been in since um, November. So, um, Romans chapter 5 in your Bibles. Romans chapter 5 in your Bible today. If you ever stayed up late and watched TV, you have probably seen an infomercial. They're notorious for promising positive benefits. How many of you have ever seen the George Foreman Grill? Uh, don't tell me if you have one, but if you've seen it, just leave it up. Here's the promise of the George Foreman Grill. Are you ready? To reduce the amount of melted fat surrounding meat or poultry as it's cooking versus a skillet or oven preparation, as though fat's bad for you. Uh, they, they, it removes it so Brother Bernie can drink it after he's done eating. So, But that is the promise of the benefits of the George Foreman Grill. How about moon shoes? Moon shoes. Anybody have moon shoes growing up? Anybody have moon shoes? Tyler Bradley, and he's still alive. All right. The promise of the moon shoes, the promise that they say, is to help a child to develop balance and coordination while having fun and getting exercise. Well, it worked in Tyler's case. I also read some reviews of children who had near-death experiences while wearing moon shoes. I don't know. The thigh master. This is Zane Garza's workout regimen right here. Promises to make you look like Zane. No, the thigh master, the promise is a slimmer you in as little as 20 minutes a day. I cannot imagine squeezing that thing for 20 minutes. I would be bored out of my mind, but that's the thigh master. How about this? The Snuggie. Oh, yeah. Some of you are like, I wore that right before church. Here's off the Snuggie website. You ready? Snuggie website. This is their promotion. I could not write this with a straight face. But the Snuggie is one of the most groundbreaking innovations ever. <laughs> Out of all of the innovations in the world, a blanket with arms is one of the most groundbreaking. Now, you think of that just for a minute. That's a pretty heavy claim right there. He goes on to say, the Snuggie is a blanket... <laughs> that has sleeves and lets you move around and do other things while being wrapped up in a warm blanket. Now, I just want to say, if I'm Mexican, I'm ticked off because they ripped that thing off from a poncho. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was in Tijuana when I was eight years old. I bought one of those. They just didn't call it that. It was just called a poncho. And I thought the poncho was much better than the Snuggie. And by the way, that dog does not look happy. You see that dog? He's like, oh my word, get this stupid thing off of me. And then my favorite, first released in 1985, the clapper. <laughs> Some of you are clapping right now. now it's not going to work. We didn't set up our electrical system that way. But the clapper allows, this is off their website, its user to activate up to two appliances using a sequence of claps. Two claps and you can turn on a lamp. 
Three claps and you can switch on a TV. The clapper, they say, works on lights, radios, TVs, and here's why I used it, this phrase, and rotating disco balls. Just because you have one of those in your kitchen, it's like, oh, my word. If you're a bad cook, maybe you need that. I don't have any idea, but I work on lights, radios, TVs, and rotating disco balls. Well, you say, why would anybody put that on TV? Can I tell you why? Because after they explain the benefits, people buy them. It's a multi-billion dollar a year industry. Ron Popeil, how many of you heard of Ron Popeil? Ron Popeil became a billionaire with promising people benefits. Well, in our text this morning, Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, the scripture starts out, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Well, whenever a passage starts with the word therefore, or whenever you see the word therefore, you have to find out as the uh, preachers try to help people learn funny ways of saying things so people remember, you have to find out what the therefore is there for. And it's referring back to really chapter 4, verses 9 to 25, which we preached a message entitled Being Justified by Faith Alone but in, back in November. But verse 25 in particular is what this verse is there for. That's what it's referring to. Who was delivered for our offenses and raised for our justification. It's important to understand this getting ready to celebrate the resurrection just a couple of weeks away, three weeks from today or two weeks, two full weeks from today, whatever it is. Christ was raised for our justification. He was delivered or crucified for our sins. That's what the word delivered means, just another Bible word for crucified. He was crucified for our offenses, our sins, our mistakes. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7, the Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. Christ was crucified for our sin. It's imperative to understand that. He was delivered for our offenses, delivered to the crucifixion. Don't have time to re-preach that whole message, but those of you that were here, you can listen to it online. Know that that's the culminating point of this. Christ was delivered, died for our sin. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The shedding of Christ's blood, there is no remission for sin. But it didn't stop there. That's not where it ended. Matter of fact, your salvation was not settled when Christ died on the cross. Now, that's a bold statement, isn't it? Because here it's settled. I've even preached that. And in many ways, it's true because of the totality of the argument. But just to be a little bit technical for a moment, when Jesus said it was finished on the cross, many of the people have heard that. Well, what was finished on the cross? The suffering for the sin debt was finished on the cross. Some people erroneously teach that Jesus had to suffer after he died on the cross by going to hell for three days. No, no. Jesus went and preached to those who were captives, but he did not suffer in hell at all when he died on the cross for the sin of mankind, when that was done, to teleestai, the Greek phrase, it is finished, when he died, all the suffering was finished and he went immediately to the Father. 
Well, if that's the case, when was our salvation settled? Well, it was settled, look at verse number 25, it was raised again for our justification. He was raised again so that we could be justified, a word that we'll define in just a moment, but that's really where salvation, uh, the culmination of salvation is, is in our justification. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse number 17, the Bible says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sins. If he be not raised, your faith is in vain, and you are still yet, that's the word yet, you're still in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished or died and in hell. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. First Peter 1 21, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. In other words, we could say it this way, no resurrection, no justification. Christ didn't rise from the grave, you can't be justified. So Paul is saying in verse number 25. So he's, he's making this huge point that is essential for us to understand. And that is that the, the resurrection is so powerful and so important in our justification that we cannot overlook it. Therefore, being justified. Or justified or justification reveals the fact that a person is righteous in God's eyes. A person is righteous in God's eyes. It's important to note that to justify never means to make anyone righteous or to do away with their sin by the person paying the price for their sin. You're not made righteous by paying the price for your own sin. You and I can't. In the New Testament, justification happens. Uh, man in his fallen condition can't do anything to pay for his sin sinfulness, but can only be justified when he is liberated from the sentence of guilt by putting his faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The blessing of accepting Christ isn't limited to our justification. The benefits of accepting Christ as our Savior aren't, isn't simply being justified, though that's an awesome benefit, just and right before God. You mean there's other benefits? Oh, yeah. Really big, major benefits to being justified. Sometimes people say, well, why would I accept Christ as my Savior? What's in it for me? And it's often asked with a sincere heart, and sometimes it's asked with a sarcastic heart. Regardless of the condition of the heart, the answers are clear in the Scripture. The answers are here in the text. 
Matter of fact, verses 1 to 11 of Romans chapter 5 have seven major benefits, immediate benefits to justification. We, we won't take time this morning to look at all seven of them. We're just going to look at the first three of them because I think that they demand a little bit of, of theological inspection and helping us to understand some of the immediate benefits of justification. You ever take medicine? I mean, we've all been to the doctor, and, and the doctor says, hey, take this. And, and then they'll, there's some medicines, they'll say, oh, it'll take six to eight weeks before you find out if it's really going to work or not. And then sometimes they'll say, oh, it'll take 24 hours. I remember one time I got an uh, uh, antibiotic pack, and they said, within 24 hours, you'll begin to feel it. And I'll tell you what, it was within 24 hours. I began to feel better. I was blessed by that. That was awesome. But m- much of the time, it, it takes a little bit longer. I want you to notice the immediate benefits of justification. Verse number one, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. I want you to notice peace with God. This is such important because, can I be really candid with you? If you remember in chapters 1 to 3, chapters 1 verses 19 through chapter 3, we learned something in the book of Romans, and that is, if you're a sinner, which you are, God was angry with you. God was angry with you. Paul puts it very clearly in Romans chapter 5, though that's not the full thrust of Romans chapter 5. It is the thrust of Romans 1 to 3 from after the introduction. But Romans chapter 5, verse number 10, you can look there in your text. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. When we were enemies, Paul is not asking a question, that is a declarative statement used rhetorically. If when we were enemies, we were the enemies of God. He doesn't end it there. He uses this argument throughout his writing, primarily in Romans, over in Romans chapter 8, verse number 7. He said, because the carnal, the word carnal is another word for the unsaved or uh, unjustified or the unrepentant mind, for the carnal mind is enmity against God or the enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. I mean, here's the reality. Because man can't obey God's law or fulfill God's will, he is at enmity with God, or he is the enemy of God. And because he is the enemy of God, there is no peace from God for him. Matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 48, verse number 22 says, there's no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. You say, well, they're not really wicked. No, no, if they don't know God in the scripture, they're wicked. It's not me just coming up with that. That's the scripture. There's no peace of God for the wicked. If you're here today and you've never repented of your sin, you've never received Christ as your Savior, then there is no peace from God for you until you accept Jesus Christ's free gift of, free gift of redemption. There's no peace of God. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how benevolent you are. If you don't accept the free gift of Jesus Christ that God offers to you, then you cannot be saved. 
John chapter 3, verse number 36 is pretty clear, painfully clear, I might add, on this point. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. When a person doesn't believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ is their Savior. That's what that means. The wrath of God, the abiding judgment of God is already on that individual. That's a painful reality. People in the world that don't know Christ, they're not waiting to get to heaven to be judged. They're already judged. The wrath of God already abides on them. Why? Because they've not accepted the free gift that Christ offers. All of that is terrible. But the moment you put faith in Christ as your Savior, here's what happens. You are at peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Justified by faith. Justified. Just as if somebody said, I'd never sin. And we want to make that uh, uh, a little bit clearer, though that's a, a very fine example of the definition. But justification revealing the fact that a person is righteous in God's eyes. The moment you get saved, you are found righteous in God's eyes. Not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus that God gives to us because of His work on the cross and our faith in that work on the cross. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. Peace of mind. Tranquility arising from reconciliation with God and a sense of divine favor. It doesn't mean that every day is peaceful, but it's a peace of mind. I know God's in control. I know I can rest in Him. I love Psalm, I believe it's 4, verse number 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for Thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. We have peace with God. Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound through the power of the Holy Ghost. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 7. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here's what Paul is saying, Philippians 4, 7. Passeth understanding. Take all that you can understand, all that you can fathom. Try to find peace. And the peace of God surpasses all that humanly could be comprehended. It passes all understanding. Matter of fact, I would submit to you in some ways, if you're a believer, that the peace that you have in the midst of trial is, is a testimony to a lost and dying world when people are like, how in the world can you have peace through this? Because God's in control. Because I know that my eternal destiny, I don't really like that word, but you get the idea. My eternal destiny is settled because of the work of Christ on Calvary's cross. There have been a lot of funerals in the last couple of weeks that Debbie and I have either been a part of, sent flowers to, stuff like that. And I'll tell you what, there's a peace that passes understanding when the person who passed away is a believer. Well, how come you're not panicking about that? Oh, because they know the Lord. 
They know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. I'll see them again. As a matter of fact, we're going to get to heaven on the same day. We have peace with God. You say, well, how are you going to get to heaven on the same day? Because there's no night there. I'm just saying, if there's no night, then it's all the same day. God's not bound by our timetables, so we get to heaven on the same day. I mean, I have peace with God. I'm comforted in the Lord, knowing that I'll see this loved one again, knowing that I'll see this brother or this sister in Christ again. I look forward to that, and it's a peace that passes all understanding, and it will keep your heart or guard your heart and mind. How? Through Christ Jesus. You're here today and you know Christ. You have peace with God. I think the question, the question that has to be asked, just to be fair to ourselves, is are you living in that peace? Or are you constantly stressed out because you're trying to be in control of that which only Jesus should be in control of? We already have peace. This is a declarative statement. We have peace. The reason that all of us struggle with peace sometimes is we try to take back what Jesus is supposed to be in control of. I'm not trying to be unkind to any of us. We all struggle with this at times. Don't we stress out over the simplest things and the strangest things? And in our maturity, as we mature in Christ, it's amazing that our levels of maturity bring greater levels of peace with God. How come you're not panicking? Because God is in control of this all, of all of this, I should say. This peace comes from knowing God and knowing I am in his care. You have peace with God. The immediate benefit of salvation, the immediate benefit of justification is that I am at peace with God. And I know that I'm in his care because I'm one of his children. John chapter 9, nothing can take, no one can take me from God and I can't get away from God. I am his and he is mine forevermore. Peace with God. Verse number 2, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Secondly, we have direct access to God. We have direct access to God. You ever notice that the more, maybe the more responsibility somebody has, the harder that it is to get a hold of them? Now, you ever notice that? Like, like you could go into Walmart, and uh, I don't know if they still have greeters. It was a better day when they had greeters. I, th- I don't think they have them anymore. But you could just go up, and you could talk to the Walmart greeter, and he was normally my father-in-law, and... An older guy who's just a fun-loving guy or a fun-loving lady that would say hi to you when you walked in and welcomed you to the store and you had your favorites and and you had those that you kind of avoided because they were like my mother-in-law and... And you, you had to avoid some, but I'm kidding, obviously, but 99% of the time they were, they were super fun and friendly people. It was easy to get a hold of the greeter, a little bit harder to get a hold of the manager. Not that the manager was unkind or anything like that, but they just had greater responsibilities. I read the story about a young man 
several years ago, back in, I think it was like 2005. He was from Iceland, an Icelandic teen, and he created quite a stir here in the United States, true story. He challenged that system by boldly dialing a secret phone number that he got somewhere for the White House. His name was Vifel Adelson, and he called President George W. Bush, just out of curiosity. He said, I just wanted to talk to him and have a chat, invite him to Iceland and see what he'd say. In order to get through security, Adelson pretended to be uh, Alfer Ragnar Grimson, the president of Iceland, <laughs> which I thought was classic. Like, good. Say, so why do you think it's classic? Because they say Icelandic is like the hardest language to speak, and the accent's very interesting. So they all sound alike, I guess. I don't know. And he was surprised that his initial call didn't go to the, the switchboard, but it went to a special switchboard where higher officers of security began to ask him questions. And he was asked question after question after question in an attempt to verify that he was President Grimson and, and including his date of birth, his hometown, and the names of his parents. See, access to the most powerful leader in the world, the President of the United States, is granted to only a few who have successfully passed through a series of detailed, cautious checkpoints. The teenager said after he was rejected, he said, it was like passing through checkpoints. The checkpoints proved one too many and he never made it through to the President, uh, though later he was taken down to the police station and asked a few questions. He just wanted to talk to the president, and he couldn't. See, this is a powerful statement because Paul is writing Jews in Rome and Jews in general everywhere and Christians everywhere, obviously. And, and to the Jew, the concept before Christ that you could go directly to God was laughable. They were kept out of the holy of holies by walls and curtains and, and guards. And, and a Gentile who would go beyond the, what was called the court of the Gentiles in the temple would be killed. No one was allowed who was a Gentile even as close as the Jews. And the Jews weren't allowed into the holy place that was reserved for the, or the most holy place that was reserved for the high priest once a year. And anyone who tried to get past that, man, they took their life in jeopardy. They couldn't go directly to God. They couldn't go directly to God for their sin. They couldn't go directly to God for their comfort. They couldn't go directly to God like you and I do. But they were kept on the outside. They, they never had intimacy. The idea that you would be intimate with God, that you would know God by name, that you would have a close relationship with God was so, so foreign to them that Paul reiterates this over and over and over again that we can have direct access to God. Why? Well, because when Jesus died on the cross, the very moment, Matthew chapter 27, I think it's Luke 27 as well, the very moment that Jesus Christ died for the sin of mankind, the veil in the temple that separated God from man was torn from top to bottom, and it speaks of, and the purpose of that was to break down the wall that separated man from God, because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses man from all sin. Man now has direct access to God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 14 says of Jesus, he is our peace. 
who hath made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition between us, the wall that separated us from God, Jesus broke that down, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Having abolished in his flesh, the enmity, the division, the wall, the animosity that separated man from God. Let me tell you this. If you know Christ is your Savior, you can and should go directly to God. This is for all those who have been justified. I, I, I don't know that there's any deeper point that I understand in all the Scripture than this one, and that is if you know Christ is your Savior, you can go directly to God. You don't need to go to a, a, a priest. You don't need to go to a preacher. You don't need to go to a spiritual advisor and have them pray for you, though every pastor, godly pastor I know, would love to pray for you. Don't get me wrong, but you don't have to go to any pastor or anybody else to have them pray for you. You don't have to go into a secret booth with a man on the other side who will tell you what you have to do to be right with God. Dear brothers and sisters, you can go directly to God. Directly. You can go right to Him. You're at peace with Him, and He wants you to come to Him. I wonder, just, do you take advantage of that? How many have found sometimes in life when you stress out, oh, I need to call, and you'll list a friend, you'll list a neighbor, you'll list a, 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 a sister, you'll list a, a family member, you'll, 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 you'll begin to think things in your mind. Can I tell you the first person you should go to whenever there's a problem in your life is the Lord himself. He's the one that gives the peace that passes understanding. He's the one that hears your every prayer. He's the one who is omnipotent. The Bible says, and I think it's Psalm 33a, he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. That's our God. He spoke this world into existence. He's the giver of life to you. He's the one who's in control of everything. I love the song the children sing. He's got the whole world in his hand. It's a true statement. He's literally got the whole world in his hand. Well, does he really have hands? Okay, that's an anthropomorphic way of saying that God is so vast and mighty that you take all of creation and it would just fit in the palm of his hand. And yet you can go directly to him. And so can I. You have direct access to God. If you're here today and you know Christ as your Savior, if you are justified, one of the immediate benefits is you can go directly to God. And it's a guarantee. The thigh master might work and it might not work, but I'll tell you, direct access to God always works for the believer. It's an immediate benefit. Before you, can, before you need to go to anybody else, before you have to even, I love books on prayer. I read them all the time, but can I tell you, God just wants you to come to him. Most of the books on prayer, most of the books on, on intimacy with God that I read are, are literally chapter after chapter after chapter reminding me of my need to be intimate with God and to pray, not teaching me how to do it because all it really is is just talking to the Lord. 
Lord, I stink today. I got a bad attitude. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Matter of fact, I haven't seen the right side of the bed in seven months. I read a report recently, true statement, read a report that the average person wakes up on the wrong side of the bed 300 times a year. And I said, boy, they have been studying my sister. (laughs) The average person wakes up on the wrong side of the bed 300 times a year. I would submit to you that you and I probably need the help from the Lord. I just need more coffee, which might be true. Drink coffee, love Jesus, life will be good. But more important than coffee or more important than a friend is direct access to God. Paul is very clear in his writing, by whom we have access by faith, talking about our salvation, into this grace wherein we stand. We, verse 2, we stand in this position. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, you have direct access to God. The first benefit that we see is the peace with God. The second benefit that we see is direct access to God. The third benefit that we see is the end of verse number two, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God or the hope of heaven. The third benefit that we have is the hope of heaven. The word rejoice means to boast or to glory. It it can mean it in a good or bad sense. In a bad sense, it's self-promoting glory. But here, it's in a very positive sense, boasting in the goodness or rejoicing in the goodness and the power of God. The, The word hope spoken of here is a desire of good with an expectation of of attaining it. It's spoken especially, as in this text, of those who experience the hope of of salvation through Christ, eternal life and the blessedness that comes with that. The Bible says in the book of Titus, and hope of eternal life, that does not mean with with some form of expectation. No, the hope of eternal life means that, or or, or the hope doesn't mean in in some like like wishful thinking, but rather in expectation. And in hope of eternal life means we are expecting or we are looking forward to the return of Christ or being with Christ in heaven. We, We look forward to that day. Paul, in talking to believers about the death of believers, he says this, we sorrow not as others which have no hope. People who don't know Christ, there's no hope, but we have hope. Why? Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's so much to look forward to for the believer. Chapter 5, verse number 4 of our text, Paul says, in patience, experience, and experience hope. Can can I be super candid with you? As believers in Christ, the more mature that you get in Christ, the more mature that you grow in Christ, the greater your desire for heaven will be. One of our dear members this week went home to be with the Lord, Ellen Hatch. And Towards the end, last conversation that I had with her, Pastor, I'm just ready to go to heaven. And I had just driven past a gas station and saw gas prices, and I said, so am I. And she'd been through a lot in her life. Ups and downs, good and bad, good days and bad days. I mean, a lot of years, a lot of years. 
It's just looking forward to, expecting, anticipating that hope. You know that's where we're supposed to live? There's that old song that we used to sing growing up, and it sounds kind of like a cross between a circus and a honky-tonk. If you're old enough to know what a honky-tonk is, if not, you can check with some of our older folks. But this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. Hope. I'm looking forward to that. If you know Christ as your Savior, you have so much to hope in. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, can I be honest with you? You have nothing to hope in. That's not me saying that because I'm angry with you. That's just the reality of the Scripture. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you have nothing to hope in. Why? Because your eternal destiny is settled as well than the eternal destiny of hell. But you don't have to go there. No, no, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse number 10, and Romans, uh, that, that we're all sinners, and Romans 3, 23, we're of all sin and come short of the glory of God. <clears throat> but in the middle of this text, in the middle of this book, the Bible is, is very clear, Romans 5, verse number 8, that we'll look at next week. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The word commendeth just means give, and God gives or shows or demonstrates his love toward us that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. Verse number 12, wherefore as by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. We're all sinners and the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Paul will go on to say in Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall or will be saved. You can be saved today, have heaven as your home, peace with God, direct access to God. If you will put your faith and trust in Christ alone. To be without God is to be without hope. Look in a world, we see hopelessness everywhere. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 12, that at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world having no hope. It's a hopeless situation to be apart from Christ. But Jesus came that you might have hope. Jesus came to give you hope. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse number 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, hath given us, given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace and good hope. To the believer, we have something that we get to look forward to, and it's through the grace of God even that we have this hope. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 14. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, that where I am, you can be in the same place. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith in him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's hope in Christ. There's hope in who he is. 
For the believer, one of the benefits of, uh, of justification is knowing without a doubt that when you die, heaven is your home and it's something to look forward to. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are a sinner just like we all are. You are in need of a Savior just like we all are. I, I exhort you, I encourage you, I plead with you, put your faith and trust in Christ today. You cannot justify yourself. There's not enough good that you or I could ever do to find favor with God. No, we are only justified by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And when we are justified, when we are saved, when we are deemed righteous in God's eyes, then we have hope. Access to God. Somebody said it this way, peace with God, our first point, takes care of the past. Access of God takes care of the present. We can come to God anytime we need about anything. Access to God takes care of the present. And hope and glory takes care of the future. Pastor, are you worried about the future? Oh, there's things that I worry about. There's things that I pray about. I don't think you can look at the condition of a sin-cursed world like we live in and not have some worry. I don't think you could look at our world and not go, oh, man, there's some things that are really deeply concerning. But it's not, a, it's not a worry that should distract me from prayer, and it's not a worry that does anything other than should push us to Jesus Christ. Oh, there's things that we worry about, no doubt, but the one thing I'm not worried about is my eternal destiny. Why? Because I know Jesus Christ as my Savior. International musician, singer Sting has won 16 Grammy Awards, sold over a million albums. In 2016, he did an interview with Rolling Stone magazine. He was then 64 years old, and he admitted this, that he spends a lot of time thinking about death. He often stares at a 1962 photo of his boyhood street in Newcastle, England. It's, oh, the street is dust, his parents have passed, his house, the shipyard at the end of the street, all of them gone, and this makes his mood, his words, sad and discon uh, disconsolate. He also thinks about many music icons who have recently died, guys like Prince and David Bowie, and this is what he said, I'm 64, most of my life has been lived already. And then like most of us, he says, when a cultural icon dies, we're children because you think, how could he or she die? Don't we think that when we hear people we know die? How could they die? After performing near before recently, uh, well, in 2016, he performed uh, before 100,000 fans in Australia, and he spent most of his time after the performance in his hotel room alone, thinking about having more days behind him than in front of him. He was raised in a Catholic home, and he says this, I've been thinking about death since I was a kid. I, I get a, a kind of spiritual vertigo. I was brought up in a religious background with the ideas of eternity, eternal torment, and eternal heaven. I become obsessed with it, maybe morbid about it. He attempts to face death by regularly taking psychedelic drugs. He says this, it's a, I think it's a way of rehearsing the feelings of being dead. Every time I have to work up the courage to do it or to take the drugs, you basically face your mortality, and it's as if you're dead and out of time. 
And then he concludes this article with this. And this may be one of the most powerful statements I've ever read. Most people die in total panic or terror. I think there's another way we're supposed to die. There must be a way to die peacefully and welcoming. There must be a way to die peacefully and welcoming. Sting? There is. There is a way to die peacefully and welcoming. How? By knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I I will tell you, I've been pastoring almost 20 years. I've been in ministry 27, working on 28 years, I guess. And the saddest place I've ever been in my life was in the hotel or in the hospital room of a man who I knew wasn't saved. Last name was Walker in Amarillo, Texas. Hepatitis C, been in prison, drug addict, everything that he, he lived his life for himself. It was a sad life. And I stood there with his children who were in our youth group and they, they asked me to come and they said, Pastor Chris, would you pray for us? And We're going to pull the plug on my dad right now. And I began to pray. And they pulled the plug while I was praying. And I began to think that that man just passed into an eternity in hell. Why? He wasn't justified. You say, how do you know it? I witnessed to him, basically threw me out of his house many times. Wouldn't listen. Wanted nothing to do with the Lord. Saddest place I've ever been. But some of the sweetest places I've ever been are at the bedside of a faithful servant of Christ who's there, and we're weeping, and they're like, would you stop crying already? And you're like, well, I I don't want you to leave. Well, and they look at you like, I like Jesus way more than I like you. I'm out of here. We don't want you to go. We love you. Oh, I love you too. But can I tell you, I'm going to see the King of kings and Lord of lords who died me and gave himself for me. And I've been praying to him for decades. I've been loving him for decades. He's the savior of my soul. I have peace with God. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to be with the Lord. He's going to stand. He's going to welcome me into heaven with open arms. I'm at, and these are the words, I'm at total peace with meeting Jesus. Why is that? Because they were justified. They were in a right standing with God or righteous in God's eyes. Are you? Are you justified? If not, today you should accept Christ as your Savior. The Bible says actually that today is the day of salvation. And it's spoken in the perfect present tense, meaning every day is the day of salvation. If you reject Christ today, tomorrow's going to be the day of salvation. But you don't know that you have tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. 
You and I aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We're guaranteed what we have right now. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, get saved right now. And then if you are saved, there are so many benefits to justification. And the benefits of justification are reminders of our eternal standing with Christ. Think about that. I have peace with God. Why do I have peace with God? Oh, because I'm justified. Oh, I can go directly to God. Why can I go directly to God? Oh, because I'm justified. I have the hope of heaven. What's the hope of heaven mean to me? The hope of heaven means to me that I'm justified. I can, I'm saved. I know my eternal standing in Christ. The benefits of justification are reminders of our eternal standing in Christ. And the benefits are immediate. Peace with God, direct access, hope in heaven. There is a God who will welcome us if we're justified. Thank you for listening. Hear more messages today at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, please join us for a service. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time.